You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If any of our Seminole family suffered home or business damage during Hurricane Sally, the Morgan Law Group can help you. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. The Morgan Wall Group can help you file a claim and get the settlement you deserve. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. Hour number two, the Seminole Headlines. Time for some headliner questions before we get to them. We uh, thank, as always, Birch Orthodontics. Yay, Dr. Birch. Yay, Birch Orthodontics. We really do appreciate their support here on Seminole Headlines. They've been a proud supporter of Seminole Headlines for a long time, and they're still sticking with us, even in light of uh, some pretty horrific seasons that we've had to document. Uh, they're unwavering in their support. Thus, we support them, and we know not just their reputation, but uh, firsthand knowledge of their fine work uh, and, and why it is we continue to promote them and suggest that if you, uh, if you need to take your kids in or you yourself have to go in and, and get some work done on your teeth, they're the people to go see. The best, the best in the world. We've, we've already talked, we talked about the universe. The best in the world. In the no, world. We, talk, we talked about the universe before, but I'm backing off that claim. Uh, we, can't, we can't prove that claim. We can't, but, no. But, yeah. but we can, we can uh, stand by best in the world. All right, uh, Chris writes, I see a lot of bad angles, weak arm tackles because their feet are out of position, got the statues going to fall posture trying to tackle. How long will it take for them to play? These guys look like they've never played football. The bad news, bears of college football. Um, yeah, so he, I, I think the point he makes here kind of speaks to the conversation we were having last hour. There are guys on this defense who look that bad and are doing things technically unsound time and again who we've actually seen do it right many times. There's no way that whether it's Odell Higgins or Coach Marv or Adam Fuller that anybody suggested them that that's the angle they should take or the methodology of tackling. Nobody does that. Again, this is born out of a lack of reps coupled with a lack of confidence. It has spiraled into a place now where they don't trust what they see, they don't play fast, they don't trigger, and when they get there and they're in a position to make a play, they simply don't because they don't trust it. And the point, somebody I saw uh, Corey Simon made this point on Twitter, you could be really good one year, and if you don't get the opportunity to keep working at your craft, you will do, you'll regress. You know, And we can relate that in any of our lives. Jeff, if you don't play golf – for a month, or if you yeah. if you if you play I end up less, Corey playing golf, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. you'd give it up, you'd give up the sport if you <laughs> or look like Corey, me. Corey, if you go a little while without playing pickleball, 
your game drip drops right. a little bit. Right. It's just not the same. Yeah. Or Papa shot. Really. Papa shot. Really. Well, that's not true. I'm, I'm still incredible at Papa shot. I could take five years off and it wouldn't matter. The sad okay. thing is, still let that linger. Is that well, he, uh, now I got to compliment him. He is really good at Papa shot. Like, Boom. like ridiculously good at Papa shot. Like, like, like I was put on like, this earth. Like, like how almost much time, like I was put on this earth like, to be a Papa shot. When you expert. watch him play Papa shot, you think, man, there should have been more productive things you could have done with this time. But I'm proud of him for being good at Papa Shot. I'm very much similar in Galaga, where nobody can beat me. Oh, that's now, so, such now, a false now, claim. Now, moreover, am I the world's best Galaga player? But for Corey, I feel like my Galaga skills are useful because his skill allows us to wonder why it doesn't translate to real basketball. Whereas Galaga, <laughs> really? that doesn't happen. Yeah, you're not actually up there uh, shooting spaceships, and <laughs> your, your your skills haven't translated either. <laughs> No, there's no place for me to yeah, have. I know. If have there was a Galaga like war, you could actually go on a court and prove your prowess, but you're incapable. That's why you're such. Well, a, they don't. The, the the goal is a little higher. The balls are a little bigger. Man, when you <laughs> it's close. When you do the thing, when you compare your, you get the second Galaga ship, and you got two of them. Yeah. And you can shoot two at a time. It's like going into a bar with a buddy who's like the baddest dude in the bar. Like you, yeah. there's like, you can like say whatever you want at that point. It's go time. Like the, oh. the whole thing has shifted now. And you're just obliterating people. Everybody. It's like, yeah. Now we don't make light of what happened at Normandy, but it's like the beaches. And I mean, it's just, you're just taking them down. They've got no shot. The point are you making like, the reference to where on the, where on the beachheads and the yeah. guys are storming. I don't want to, let's not. In fact, there was a game. There used to be a game <laughs> like that. It wasn't called Normandy. But it was where you were in the pillboxes, shooting the pillboxes, storming the beach. And I'm like, why is this in an American arcade? This is awful. (laughs) I don't want to play this game. I mean, it's the real world, Corey. It happened. I know. I just, I don't like, you know, anyway. Are you going to tell people that they can't shoot fish in a barrel? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or blow them up with dynamite? Uh, Stevens writes, what is the contingency plan if Travis is injured? By the way, he writes more, but I'm stopping it there because that's the crux of the question. The contingency plan is uh, we're screwed and or I imagine at some point Chubba Purdy will be ready. Yes. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And, you know, there was a comment that um, somebody made yesterday. Oh, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was on the coaches show last night, Monday night, when uh, Tamari and Terry made a comment that I think is, is how they've sold it to the team a little bit. I think we got a little insight. Um, tomorrow they were at Tom Block asked Tamarian about uh Jordan Travis and what he brings to the offense, and Tamarian kind of you know made a couple comments and they said, you know, what Jordan is is he's what we need right now. He's the quarterback we need right now. And I think because I do think it was a delicate situation with James. A lot of those guys do like James, and so I think the way they've kind of sold it to, to the team, which is true, is like, look, we can't win with a with a drop back statue quarterback with this offensive line and these skill players, we need somebody that can make something happen. And so that's what Jordan Travis gives you. That's your point about Bra- uh, Chuba is that he would be, he's the only other guy that has those yeah. skills. So yeah. It's not to say take can't play quarterback. It's just, it wouldn't work right now with this situation. No. 
uh, Drew writes, well, it looked good at times, then bad at times. However, a blind man can see this team is better coached than in recent years. You're correct, Drew. Odell is definitely on the hot seat, though, right? When are we going to start? Yeah, that, so there's going to be a lot of this. I'm starting to get those uncomfortable te texts from people where they're like, are we going to start talking about Odell? I'm like, okay, here they come. They're starting to happen now. And it's a shame because Odell's mm -hmm. done a great job for a long time, but obviously they're not playing well up front at all. Yeah, you know, and it's part, I mean, that's part of, I mean, he gets paid a lot of money. We can say we feel bad for him or he's right, been awesome, right. but at yeah. some point results matter too. Bobby Bowden was incredible, and at the end people wanted him gone as well because yes. he wasn't producing. Uh, I, again, Marvin Wilson produced last year. Corey Durden produced last year. So them not producing now is bizarre. I don't know that Odell forgot to coach, but maybe he's not reaching them. You know, that that's part of a coach's job too. Get him to play hard. Get him to play better. Um, if you get the credit for when these guys are all Americans or get drafted in the first round, you also have to take the blame when they play like they're, uh, they should be playing at UTEP. Well, two things that really helped Odell, at least in the Twitter sphere, I think in the last week or so is one was Shambray Jackson, the defensive, uh, lineman from Orlando committing four-star defensive lineman basically because of Odell. That was big because he hadn't, they hadn't been killing it on defensive line recruiting either. So that was one, another reason people have been mad at Odell. And then uh, the the kid, the big defensive tackle, who's considering he wants to play baseball or football, and it's basically Florida State and like four other unbelievable, you know, Ohio State. Well, I think he dropped them, but you know, it's the Alabamas and and he uh, Texas A and M, and uh, you know, if, if Florida State could get him, but even even if they don't, what he the reason he likes Florida State is because of Odell Hagens. So the recruiting is going to help him a little bit in the short term, but yeah, at the end of the day, everybody loves Odell, but they got to start producing. Zach writes, maybe this is just blind faith, but I think we win on Saturday. North Carolina's defense is not Notre Dame's, and our offense has shown it can move the ball. Would it be crazy to see an upset? Uh, I wouldn't call that crazy. I don't think Carolina's a juggernaut by any means. They lost six times last year. They've looked average so far this year. They're going to put up a lot of points against Florida State's defense. Their offense is going to move the ball like everybody's offense has moved the ball against Florida State's defense. But I also think Florida State can – score to be in this game in the fourth quarter yeah i think notre dame you thought they had to play poorly and florida state had to play its a game for florida state to win that game and i think notre dame was probably like not their a game but florida right. state wasn't their a game either but against north carolina if north carolina doesn't play if north carolina brings their c or b game yeah, florida state, state can win, win that, that game, game. Yeah. yeah they don't have to play perfectly I wouldn't be stunned if they did. Let's get another one in here. I think Chris writes a good question here, um, and I understand where he's coming from, and this nuanced responses here. He writes, last year, per sports reference, the defense finished 90th, averaging giving up 424 yards per game and 5.3 yards per play. This year, through four games and two awful teams played, we're 59th out of 76. We give up 454 yards per game and 6.5 yards per play. We brought back 10 of our top 15 tacklers from 2019, yet we are objectively worse than a defense led by a staff which was fired after 21 games. I'm just not sure how blaming the players is a valid excuse unless you blame six months of Zoom meetings. If the players have regressed, you have to say the coaches are worse unless you lay all the blame on Zoom meetings. I don't love you guys, is what he says. I don't blame it all on Zoom meetings, but we can't ignore that. You can't just dismiss that as not mattering. It Literally, they uh, Dillingham brought it up, and not as an excuse because he's the offensive coordinator. He was talking about why they're getting better. It's because they're getting live reps. He's like, look, look we've been here for 11 months now. We've had a total six of scrimmages six scrimmages and games. Yeah. Six. 
He goes, that's not a lot. We, you, you got, you learn by doing, you learn by, and they just did not get any scrimmages in the spring. They did not get to be, they played one, they had one scrimmage in pads or they had one practice in pads and that's it. And then that was it. That was it until uh, August. And when you're installing a new defense, that really matters. It really does. Like it just does. Uh, You look at all the other first year, look at Ole Miss. I mean, that's a, that's a first year coaching staff and their defense is the worst that college football has ever seen through this amount of weeks. I mean, literally, it is incredible. So, and that's a first-year coaching staff too. You, you, it's just, it's, it's hard to do. Like, it just is. That's not a total excuse, though. You can't just blame it all on that. They, nobody can say they've been coached incredibly well. But I don't know that after four games, we I, can look and say we can make a declaration that this coaching staff doesn't know what it's doing on that side of the ball because that is a huge obstacle they had to deal with. No, it is, and I think it's getting compounded to Jeff's point earlier that now that they're struggling, guys are doing – they're making it worse. They're – you know, the the J-Rob play. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they're not trusting that somebody else is going to make a play. They're they're leaving their gap. They're trying to run around blocks. It's all the stuff we saw in the 2008, 2009 times too. It's not that those guys didn't want to compete for Mickey Andrews. They just – they weren't they weren't having any success and then they compounded by taking risks that kill again, your defense. if you take if you take the 2019 defense and take Nashville Dean off it Marvin Wilson off it and Corey Durden off it it would have been uh it would have been worse than what we're seeing now that's essentially what Fuller's having to deal with Durden and Wilson have made no impact at all and Nashville Dean hasn't played a snap so that's probably three of what your five best players going into the season you thought on defense and they've done nothing it's so that, that doesn't make it easier. No. Seminole Headlines, Audio Seminole, ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. More headliner questions. Let's keep it rolling here. Brad Rice. Let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Marvin didn't, hasn't done nothing. He did cause an interception in the Georgia Tech game. He did hit the kid as he was throwing yeah. it. So I, I that was a little too harsh, and, and I know he gets double teamed a lot. And he only played twelve games against twelve snaps against Jacksonville State. Yep. So and he only and, played and he a only half, played against, a half against and a half against Miami. Yeah. So I, I got it, but still, we need you to we need you to step up, man. If you're going to be a first round draft pick, you make yeah. plays. He yeah. doesn't make plays. Brad writes, how many snaps did 21 play? Seems like less than half to me. Is he that far out of shape? All I can think is when I watch him play, how much money he's costing himself. Well, I, I don't. I think that's objectively true in terms of how much money he may be costing himself. He doesn't look like the same player when he does play, that's for sure. So I, I hope he has a great second half here in rallies, and, and maybe we start to see the Marvin Wilson we anticipated getting. It's really the catalyst for this defense getting better is yeah. him helping reset the line of scrimmage, disrupting plays in the backfield, causing delays and jump cuts and things like that for running backs. I mean, everybody gets a full head of steam running against our <laughs> defensive line, I'll tell you that much. That's, uh, yes, but they, they, they hit the ground running, buddy. They're at the line of scrimmage <laughs> like a back. Just pick a hole, any hole. I mean, it's unreal. Uh, Jeff, I know you spoke highly of Coach Marv, and I agreed that he's an up-and-coming coach and has little to work with. What, if anything, can he do to show elite players in the state he has the it factor as a coach that will attract top talent? I would pay them illegally, DJ. I think that's something he could do. He could. Well, I mean, you, it's legal now, right? Just set up some uh, some marketing opera- op- opportunities for them. Some, something that shows your commitment to them. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think like a $10,000 a week marketing opportunity to advertise for someone. There you go. Ryan writes, gentlemen, all of you speak of behind-the-scenes tomfoolery with both Jimbo and Willie. When are you going to do a full-hour in-depth tell-all? The people demand to know. I think over the years, Ryan, most of those stories that we can tell have kind of leaked or been, you know, spread out over the years on various editions of this program and others. I don't know that there's a, a singular show we're going to sit down and do and go, okay, here's the straight dope, everybody. Unless we all win the lottery and we're saying screw it simultaneously, we could do one last send off and go, you want some, you want some straight dope, boys? Here we go, bam. When, when we did our uh, Jimbo Chronicles things on War Chant, where we did like Corey, Gene, and I just kind of dished on a lot of stuff with Jimbo, but not everything. Um, it was like a day after it had run, I ran into somebody on the staff who said, man, like I, I was waiting for you to get into the, the really good stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's like, yeah, man, I don't know. We, uh, what was there's, funny there's about that was, was on uh, the tribal council. I don't know if I brought this up or not at the time, but like after the, as the Jimbo Chronicles were running, maybe the next day, somebody brought up going turkey hunting with Jimbo. Do you remember that post Ira? Yes. And the guy was like, he's like, Jim, I've never seen anything like it. Like I, and I don't know anything about turkey hunting. I have nothing. I can't remember what he did wrong. I don't know that. I don't know what etiquette he broke. I think maybe he was crawling on his belly when he wasn't supposed to. But he was just. He was talking about how Jimbo didn't talk to anyone. Uh, he just. He did his own thing. He crawled where he wasn't supposed to crawl, or shot when he wasn't supposed to shoot. And then the guy next to him is like, "Man, this is like tribal council's Me Too movement." Everybody has their own Jimbo story that they now have to share after the after the seal's been broken. Uh, that's not <laughs> I, the, like, I thought that was funny. Not trivializing, been... not trivializing the Me Too movement, obviously, but uh, it was. Uh, yeah, that's what it was like. Everybody was like, everybody was having their catharsis. Yeah, telling their Jimbo. You can story. look at that one of two ways. People were piling on, or boy, isn't it strange that everybody's got a story about this guy treating us yeah. like ass? Even turkey point. hunters. Yeah. DJ writes, "Is Travis J back this week?" Can we see someone other than help and return punts? Does Greg Reed have any availability left? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder what they're going to do with punt returns. Because, again, like I said, Helton didn't have a good game in any. Is Travis J back this week? No, I don't think he is. I think it's going to be a couple. What the hell, man? When our guys get hurt, they're gone forever. Bad, it's ridiculous. It's bad. Hey, bad it ankle. Happens. You know what I'm saying? It happens. Um, it happens. But no, you got JL Dub. You got JL Dub yeah, back there. But I do wonder if they're going to have somebody else on punt because he let another one drop. It didn't roll 30 yards. But you got to go catch it, buddy. Preston writes, what a game by the Seagulls. Not sure if you guys heard, but uh, Tariko and Dungey must have used Corey's genius nickname seven or eight times during the broadcast. <laughs> what, what could the front seven be called? The Sloths? The Crickets? The Slugs? The Washington Generals? Also, how absolutely screwed is this unit going forward with all of zero defensive tackles committed for 2021? Fuller definitely deserves a do-over next year, and fans who want him fired can piss off, piss up a rope. Uh, year zero for that ass is uh, Preston's hashtag. They uh, the the Shawbray Jackson kid could end up being a defensive tackle. We'll see. He's a big. Could they get big, a defensive end too, though? Like, is it where are they? Can we get some defensive ends? Like seventeen yeah. of them. That transfer portal better be littered with defensive ends. Damn it. That's I mean, where it's got to be, right, for next year, because you're losing Marvin. Although technically he's got eligibility, he can come back again next year. Um, you're you might be losing. Is Durden a junior or a senior? And he's a junior. He's Plus, a junior. anybody could, could could come back. But yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you, you theoretically you're probably losing one or two of your defensive tackles for sure. And you got nothing behind them other than Lovett. I think Lovett's played well. Yeah. Lovett's been a nice player. I'd rather. Um, 
Yeah, I'd rather see Lovett out there than probably anybody else right now. Yeah, he, yeah, absolutely, yes. Um, so you got him coming back, which is good. But you you better you better have some serious transfer portal uh, mojo working in the offseason. I, I mean, I'd be transfer portal in this bitch all day long. It would be the biggest busiest time. We'd look like buffoons. I'd have eighteen kids in the transfer portal. Like, come on down. Yeah, they, they would they would know we were cheating. I mean, there's crazy stuff going on here with the transfer portal. They they make Miami look small. I'd have so many kids coming in here. It's ridiculous. Whatever it takes. John writes, what up? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. John writes, what up, fellas? All I can say is 2020 college football is just not normal this year, and neither is FSU. The offense with JT at QB1 is showing improvements, but the defense isn't helping them. It's like when Jimbo was OC and they had to score 40 a game because the D was horrible. I feel optimistic about the offense, but starting to worry about the defense. How many more blowouts can Fuller take before Norvell needs to make a change? Uh, he's not going to make a change this year. They, they, they've got broken pieces, John. They got a lot of problems. You got kids that are physically broken, kids that are mentally broken. They had a screwed up offseason. He's not making a change. They're not. There may be some come to Jesus conversations in the office, and that may need to happen, you know, before this year is up. But I don't think he's making any changes there. Well, and the one thing I would say about if you don't like the schemes, like this is what I was thinking during the first few weeks when they were, you know, playing soft and and Corey was leading the the brigade of people yelling about the need to play, play tighter. Like that's Mike Norvell's the head coach. Like Adam Fuller's not running a scheme that Mike Norvell doesn't approve of, sign off on, agree right. with. So right. if you don't like the schemes they're running. You, that's on the head coach as much as is as, as the defensive coordinator. Schemes not the problem right now. Seems so. not the problem. When you can watch uh, myriad examples of defensive tackles getting moved off the line of scrimmage by inferior players across from them, our defensive ends never set the edge. I know it's not taught that way. We all know it's not taught that way. Those guys also love to run into blocks and stay blocked. No, man, it's not scheme. The players are not playing well. And I know ultimately it's the coach's job to get them to play well. But I think some of those guys are not going to play well, period. And we're going to be better off when they leave. Uh, Walter writes, great show, gents. This fall, my mind often goes to an image of a mighty seagull. Wings spread, fighting mm-hmm. against a steady seminal wind. While a, pan, <laughs> while a pan flute plays the simple melody, blow, blow. But I digress. When will we start to recruit offensive linemen named Liam or dudes like Six on defense, dudes who got game? Yeah, man, six was a pl- six was a problem. I dare say that guy was. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but he was he was really good. He's um, like, uh, I mean, he's he hits you like he, you stole from him. Yeah, yeah. It's angry. Yeah. How about Ladamian holding on to the ball? And then uh, again, if we if we want to nitpick the timeout, the the not the the way he handled the end of the first half was ridiculous. And giving the ball right back to Ladamian Webb after he just got crushed. For a six-yard loss was that that wasted that drive too, although the drive was probably over on second sixteen. But yes, they it would be nice if they if they got some playmakers on that you know, side they, of the on, on that know, side they, of the ball. I mean, I, yeah, the play call because even if you took Webb out, no, none of the other running backs was getting anything more than he got on that carry. It wasn't like he just stumbled into the line. Yeah, um, but he's a guy that can make three or four guys miss and get you nine yards. Not that time he couldn't. He wasn't. No, I, I got you, but you couldn't get him healthy in that situation. Yeah. So your options were to take him out, put somebody else in, or call a different play. Yeah, I didn't didn't like the play call. But, you know, there's there's so much. Uh, I don't want to nitpick on offensive play calls because they're doing so many things right to make yeah. this offense work. 
And they yeah. still have some glaring deficiencies. So, right. I mean, it's going to, you know, they're, they're, they're overcoming that for now. Seminole Headlines, 979 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Nathan writes, good day, sirs. The fact that our team led at any point in the game is a tremendous growth marker. The defense <laughs> yeah. still... <laughs> the defense still leaves much to be desired, and the offensive line is still a source of frustration. But I found myself feeling like this team might actually win another game this year after Saturday night's showing. At any point, did you allow yourselves to think that FSU might win the game on Saturday night? No, Nathan, I didn't because of our run defense and and how I thought that couldn't uh, at any point get shored up in the course of that particular contest enough for us to get enough stops to win. But uh, short of Notre Dame turning it over a bunch, I didn't see a way we could win. You know, it's funny is even when they got down for that, when when Travis threw the interception, like it really didn't even dawn on me that. That was hey, a man, cut they, to a one score game. Yeah, I know. Like that really, like when he threw the pick, I was just like, oh, that sucks. He threw a pick. But like, it was, I never had the thought process, man, they could go for two and, and be in an eight point game with eight minutes left. Like it just felt, it felt, it, it, felt <laughs> it felt, it felt over a long time before that. Though, yeah. You know? I see. I see. Yeah. Corey. Yeah, I, I didn't know. There was no, uh, no, because yeah, the, there was no way that Florida State was going to be able to, if Notre Dame had kept their foot on the gas um, and kept running the way they were running, there was no way you were going to, you were going to be able to match score for score with them. It just wasn't going to happen. It didn't happen uh, because your defense is awful. But it was cool that they responded the way they did yeah. several times. Cause there were, there were several times where Notre Dame scored to go up by two touchdowns in, in the last four years, three years, it it's a wrap. Yeah, would have been an avalanche. That didn't happen. Gator Kirk writes, good day to the Guru's gab. Not a bad performance against the Irish. There were still too many penalties that prevented the score from being closer. The defense is detrimental to the game of football. Not sure we can rise above suck in the weeks to come with the defense, given the excitement surrounding the offense the past two weeks. Do you think six victories is possible? Whoa, six no, victories. No, no, no. Hey, 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 there is a path to six victories. Gee, oh, there is on, a path to six, there's a path to six victories. Well, okay, so hold on. Louisville, Pitt, Virginia, Duke. We already have one, so you you would have to beat. Just, I, I you guess. just have to win one of those other games. You're not going to beat Clemson, obviously. You just you have to either beat North Carolina, which is possible, or NC State's the only or NC State. Yeah, but you guys NC are act, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. But you also no. have to beat Virginia and Duke I'm not, yeah, in I'm Louisville. Not saying, yeah, but Virginia just got housed. Duke's it not doesn't good. matter. This I'm defense saying, can't stop anyone. I hear you. I'm just saying there's a path. The, those well, aren't all path. sure losses. Uh, I, I'm actually with Ira on this one. There is a path. I don't think they'll win six games. But, Corey, it's a long and winding path through a lot of, like, it's like the path in Princess Bride. Yeah. We got the rodents of unusual size and fires. I mean, yeah, you can get out of the woods, but and it's going to be hard. This. I'll say this. I think Florida State has a good chance to beat Louisville. I think Florida State will beat Virginia and Duke. Okay. Uh, and then I think we got a couple coin toss games in there. Yeah. Okay. And I, I agree with you. You just got to get I'm, lucky on the coin tosses. And I'm going to give I'm gonna two positive things to say to Corey Clark right now, everyone. Just mark this on your – we should put this on the show description. Number one, that was a great reference. I respect the Princess Bride. Well, he lo- he loves the reference. And that's right in Ira's wheelhouse. It, 100%. It's it his pop culture wheelhouse. Yeah. You, you made me feel warm. And Number two – I'm starting to embrace the seagulls. I'm, but I th- here, I just let's just start calling them the gulls, and like nobody else will know why we're calling them the gulls. Like no, we don't because it doesn't make never, sense. 
No, it but does that's, make that's sense. Fine. That's fine. Seagulls have webbed toes. No, web no, and toe of feeling. I don't want you to ever explain it again. I won't again. It won't but, ever be explained again. But it's the, the seagulls' backfield or the gulls. We'll go the, the gulls. gulls. We're just okay. going to call the gulls. Nobody else needs to know except us and the people listening to the show. So what's going to have to happen, obviously, Otter, for this to really take off, is my man Toa Feely is going to have to get a few more touches. Out he of will. He will this he's week. To, once he starts getting a few more touches, that's when the gulls – it's going to be a phenomenon, no, really, no, when the gull phenomenon takes number, off. Number six might have broke him in three pieces. So we're going to uh, see yeah. more of him this week. Uh, Tim writes, listening to the show last week and talking about some of the worst interceptions to make us feel better, go back and watch – of 2011 FSU at UF. Our boy John Brantley throws a pick into quadruple coverage. Just wanted to get a laugh at UF since we won't for a while. Also, I don't think we can get a pass rush under flag football rules. What has happened to our defensive line? Yeah, that's true. If they weren't able to, if the offensive linemen weren't able to use their hands and just had to scoot back and forth with their hands behind their back, yeah. <laughs> like in, uh, it'd still be like dicey. Yeah. It'd still yeah. be dicey to get to the quarterback. Well, people around my age will certainly remember this. Uh, when when I first started playing uh, organized football, padded organized football, you, offensive linemen could not extend their arms in any way. You had to block like this. You had to block oh, wow. with your forearms, your, your hands together, and yeah. you could go like that, but you could not extend your hands in any way. And looking back on it now, it makes me feel incredibly old because that's some stuff you'd see in old-timey black-and-white videos of people who didn't know how to play football. But B – what in the world? Those poor offensive linemen back in the day going against freaking like Howie Long and stuff with their elbows yeah. together. What the hell? You're just going to get picked up and thrown over their head. And what's his name? Deacon Jones just oh, slapping the crap out of your helmet. Your <laughs> you, can't even, you can't even protect you can't yourself. Even protect yourself. It's just criminal. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Hey, how bad on TV was the uh, – I did see some people complaining about the holding. Was it? I mean, not that that's the reason they lost, but was it egregious Notre Dame holding? Defensive like all night? I just saw several people tweeting about it. Yeah. No, I thought yeah. I thought the guys let them get they, the guys don't get off of blocks, and so they get road graded. So, it just looks so it looks like, like they're being held held. Yeah, up. it just looks it looks terrible. All right. Uh, Alejandro writes, gentlemen, where uh, we were all excited about Harlan Barnett and what the defense uh, and what he did at Michigan State, but then then to quote Jeff, we found out we got the wrong co. Now we get Adam Fuller, who at Memphis improved that defense greatly year one, made great strides first year at Marshall and Chattanooga, and we all agree is impressive when we hear him talk, but the defense is still ass sorry. Is it time to stop blaming scheme and defensive coordinators and realize we just don't have good players on that side of the ball? Well, I, I think that many cases. of our fans, it, it could be, I think that many of our fans think that the players we have are better than they are. Um, and they'll cite recruiting rankings primarily, which is not a terrible way to make your point. But, you know, back in the day when we were uh, spiraling into the side of the mountain there, we would still get five stars like Fred Rouse and people like that on offense. And we, we, we would look back at it later on and go, huh, it's funny how everybody else decided not to grab that kid and Florida State got him. Or when, reason. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of instances of that. I, it, this is what I would say because we don't we have, a, we have a short sample size on Fuller so far. What I would say is the players who struggled under Charles Kelly and Harlan Barnett and now Adam Fuller. It's like you know if you meet an a hole in the morning, right? There's a chance you met an a hole. If you meet a holes all day, there's a good chance you're the a hole. You're the a hole, yeah. Like if you've been a bad player under multiple coordinators, okay, it's probably the player. the The issue we have, and this is why it's conflicting, is as we said earlier, there are a few players that did play better last year, you know, yeah. particularly a defensive tackle. Well, but those players were coached by this exact same coach. 
Well, position. Odell correct. Higgins correct. is the correct. exact You're same right. coach that he You're was. Right. That's a good point. Good point. David Jeff. writes, hey, guys, thanks for a great show every week. When was the last time FSU won a game as a consensus underdog? Granted, they were favored most games for a few years, but would it be Miami in 2010 or BYU in 2009? On a side note, I think it's excited to have a coaching staff who has creativity uh, and will make this work attitude. Well, we, when we beat Boston College, they were ranked number two in the country with Matt Ryan and the Geno. Yeah, Hayes. but I think uh, we, we looked this up actually last week, or Aslan did. Um, they were eight. They were maybe eight point underdogs at BYU the year they beat them out there because they had just barely beaten Jacksonville State. And I think BYU was the top great 10. great pick after yeah. the tight end. That's a great. And play. then um, the ten Miami game, they were about a five or six point underdog. They beat that and ass. I believe that's the last time they won as an underdog, unless they were an underdog against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. But I don't know if you guys realize this. That game shouldn't have even counted because they didn't have Jabril Peppers. So that game doesn't even count. But, yes, I'm almost positive that Florida State has never won a game as a double-digit underdog, at least since – maybe at least since Bowden's first couple years or ever. Like, you think about it, they weren't double-digit underdogs for about 30 years. And then here recently, until last weekend, every time they're a double-digit underdog, they get emasculated. So it was a a step – they covered – Heck, when was the last time they covered against one of these teams? Yeah. That's a step, baby. Not, not even a backdoor cover. Not really. even a backdoor cover. They were straight in it. Yeah. yeah. Josh writes, possible Seymour here. Did Willie even take the time to evaluate the roster of his assistants? My man invested an entire year in DeAndre Francois. He coached a man down just to keep David Kelly. Taggart decided to roll with JB or Alex Hornibrook in an offense based on the air raid and read option with turnstiles for offensive linemen. And then he goes on, he goes, did Willie even look at Jordan Travis throw one time? He can definitely throw a better deep ball uh, because he can actually throw it that far. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Oh, okay. You know, that's weird about He definitely has a better arm than Hornybrook. But, like, he also throws a better deep ball than Blackman because Blackman doesn't have any touch. He just, I mean, Blackman obviously has a much stronger arm, but who knows where it's going. And I wanted to ask you guys this. I can't remember if I brought it up last week or not, but, like, Jordan Travis is a pretty unique runner. Like, he's not easy to tackle. Even if you're there with him, he he makes guys miss. He falls forward. He gets extra yards. But how do you see that in practice when quarterbacks are never touched? Like, his greatest strength isn't seen at all in practice when you're trying to win a job. Well, also, he he, he, he also missed time and and because of an injury. And this is, again, not having – But I'm talking about last year. Like Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, his greatest strength is being able to run – because he's not like Lamar Jackson. He's not a 4-2-8 guy, but he is really wiggly. He's fast enough for sure. But in practice, when you're wearing a green jersey and guys are always pulling up on the quarterback anyway, you don't see that. So how do you know what kind of athlete or what kind of runner you have? I think you can marry that, Corey, with the idea that one of the reasons our defense is so soft and sorry is that they've gone up against BS on offense for so long. So even when they have had you know, scrimmages, they're not facing – until recently, they weren't facing an offense worth a damn that it was physical in any way. They weren't facing what we just saw from Notre Dame. Think about even last year with Bryles. I mean, that's the most passive BS you got in the world. You're throwing the ball in two seconds, spreading yeah. everybody out. There's no physicality to that. And uh, on the Jordan Travis front, and I think it's a good point, Corey. It, he's he's one of those guys, man. He's got a little bit of it's silly to you know the the farvish kind of. He's got a quality of making something from nothing having a feel for what's going on around him. He, man, they had him dead to rights at least four times in that game. And he got away. Yeah. He got away from them and, and it was frustrating their defense. And 
I think, you know, we everybody keeps saying he's a stopgap and all this, man. Trevor Purdy better be really good because yeah. I would ride with Jordan Travis as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I would too. I, I, if he can I, stay healthy, yeah. With the way they call a game, man, I, I like him a lot. better. He's only played in a couple games. Yeah, he's he's played like 80 snaps in his career. Yeah. And, and, how I think, many of, um, and how many at real quarterback? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What, you, yeah. Probably 70. Um, and uh, what I was going to say is like, uh, oh, I can't remember what I was going to Oh, and he had 100 yards rushing until the last sack. Right. I mean, he went to Notre Dame and had 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. Again, I don't know that we've seen that. That's and it, we can't just dismiss that. Oh, he's mobile. He could. There are a lot of mobile quarterbacks that aren't good runners. He is a good runner. On third and three, you trust him to get you six yards. On third and nine, he can pull it down and get you twenty-five yards. They haven't had this in a long, long time. I, I do need him to try to hurdle defenders and do the, the helicopter twirl. That's his life. That's hey. That's the Jordan Travis life. He's gonna <laughs> well, he's gonna do what he's that, gonna do. That needs to stop. What what, what I would say is that he could become. Um, well, who knows? I'm rooting for the kid to continue to get better. I, I think the limitations ultimately is why you would move on to Jumper Purdy because if he can do all those same things as a runner, we'll see. We yeah. haven't seen it. And but that's again, a big if, he, right? I'm saying, though, Jordan Travis brings a lot of things that we have no idea if Jumper Purdy can do. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm going by the report that he's a much better passer. If he's a much better passer and can do those things as a runner, then it's a no-brainer. You're going to move on to that. And and I would I'm going to trust Norvell because he's done a lot with a lot of guys at quarterback. That that's that he you can tell he's still excited about Chubb Purdy. I mean, but, but yeah, you can win a lot of football games with Jordan Travis. I, if the defense I, can get just hold you hold him to thirty. Just give yeah, us a chance, boys. Yeah, Hold man. them to 30. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that, especially the way they're calling plays right now. Seminole Headlines, wrapping it up in just a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Let's get to a few more before we sign off, guys. Uh, we've got Marlon writing. Okay, boys, Coach Norvell hasn't lost the locker room, but, boy, is Marvin Wilson losing money. First-round pick, not next year. He'll be lucky to get drafted in the third round. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 difficult. He's frustrated. But he did go on to praise uh, Jordan Travis and uh, said baby steps. That's his hashtag. So he's happy with some of the progress we saw Reed writes gentlemen it feels like I ask a question about the defense every week hoping that it will somehow magically play to the level it's capable of I guess I just don't understand it I mean we think coach Marvin coach Fuller are decent to good coaches we think there's still a fair amount of talent on this roster but they've lacked proper coaching in recent years so theoretically this defense should at the very least be serviceable what am I missing here why isn't it working I think I'm losing my mind because this just doesn't make sense to me well Again, we're all having to adjust what we thought to be true, what we thought was going to be a reality, and that is that understandably we thought guys on the defensive line who'd shown themselves to be pretty good players were going to come in and play well. They're not playing well. And after a while, when you look around a defense and you identify four or five players that can play a little bit and then they're not playing well, you really do have to recognize that, again, in the era of COVID, having no spring, not even a normal offseason of any kind, and a new coaching staff, I think it all adds up to what you're seeing in terms of an abysmal performance. I don't think it's coaching acumen. I think it's that it's a unique set of circumstances. I definitely don't think it's coaching acumen. When it, and I, I'm not saying it is with Fuller, but I, Marv, I think we know, can coach. Like, that guy can really coach, and those linebackers are horrific. So he's not coaching them to look like that. He's just he's, There's only so many, much you can do with Leonard Warner. The third or the second, I mean, it really doesn't matter. Is he the third? 
I don't know. I think he's a third. And Marvin uh, Wilson's the second. Somebody had a possibly. second on their jersey that I uh, I think it was Marvin. Um, but yeah, there's only so much you can do with some of those guys, man. I, I think Emmett Rice shows flashes to be okay, and Amari Gaynor's a, a good college football player. It would appear pretty good. Other than that, you got nothing to work with. The Dix and Delundy have been awful it, when they played. It is. Well, Dix went downhill last week. He had actually been better prior to last week. No, he was awful against uh, uh, Jacksonville State, too. Like, just Jacksonville State. But he's playing a lot of snaps to be as bad as he is. Those two are, like, the lowest. And J-Rob are the three lowest. Like, I've looked it up on Pro Football Focus. Out of their six lowest-ranked defenders for the season, five are linebackers. And we know Marv can coach. And, look, like, I I mean, again, think of how many guys they're playing. They're playing, like, 30 guys on defense in these games – just trying to find somebody. So it's not like I think it would be more frustrating if you were just trotting the same Pulling the same dudes, yeah. Every play and the, and nothing's happening. You know? So I that point, I think I, I know I wrote about it, like maybe going with the youth movement and playing these linebackers, and I agree to an extent. Like I don't think Leonard Warren needs to play much anymore, but I'd keep him at Rice on the field more. Uh, yeah. He he's a guy that can occasionally make plays. He got beat for a touchdown, but his fellow linebacker didn't help him by running a screen <laughs> and was... basically screening him off and just standing there. Um, right now, Dix and Lundy, Dix especially to me is just playing too much. He's not making any plays right now. He's he, I know we want him to learn on the job, but he better take a big step up because he's not nearly as good as Emmett Rice is right now, and Emmett Rice isn't very good. So you, you, that that's that's part of the deal of being a coach: learning curve. Or try to win these games. By the way, um, would you think about because I've I've thought about some of this. Like I, I understand we always want to move guys around and so forth, but man, I I don't know. I first of all, I'm not sure I'd have Jaden Lars would be out there very often. And if I did, I'd put him in at the stud position. Yeah. Uh, I, I he's too slow as a safety. Way too yeah. slow. He really can't play a lick. He's a, he's he was physically he's a thicker dude than he needs to be. He runs like not, a he runs like yeah. a slow linebacker. So let's just put him over there at stud and have him be a backup to to Gainer or move Gainer to the Fox or something. I I just I can't. This is I, I you know it's something. I mean I was just listening honestly. Stud in just, the Fox. I was just thinking about this last night. Like how crazy. I mean like if you were a co- like how you don't. You don't see it happen a lot. Although Jim Jimbo did it. I mean, move Christian Jones to defensive end. Yeah. Um, you know, move Carlos jo- Carlos Williams to running back. Up there as your primary pass rusher. Yes. And, uh, that's an option, man. I, I would think about. Honestly, there might be some guys on offense that I'd be like, man, maybe they could. Maybe they're not good enough to play a lot on defense on offense right now, but maybe they could make plays at linebacker or Thompson. I'd put Jer- Jaden Lars would be at stud and I'd move a gainer to Fox and he'd be a primary pass rusher. And I'm not saying would be, would get a ton of time, but if he did get time, that's where he'd be playing. I- I'm moving those guys around. This ain't working. Could LaDamian play both ways? Yes. Could he play, could he play a he little might linebacker? Be the be- he might be the best linebacker on the team. Seriously. Like him play Let both him ways. play, man. He'll go at least, he'll go seek out contact. <laughs> um. Uh. Well, I, we're done. You're done with the questions. You're done with the I, questions. I, well, they're all very similar from this point forward. There may be a few unique ones we didn't get to, but most of them are, hey, why does our defense suck ass? And uh, I like the offense. Let me you guys, I just want I want people to know, though, like if you ask the question, don't think that we just – like Ira and I dismiss your questions. I, I, you don't listen, get to I read, read them. The questions. I can only you didn't. You didn't read the questions. You didn't even know how many questions we had until right before the show started. No, no. You, I want you 30 minutes before we at nine. You get up at 4 a.m. Yeah. 
read the questions and <laughs> highlight the ones you want to get to. And cool, don't just like, start reading from the top to the bottom because we go over the same stuff. This is a production meeting, guys, that we're having on the air because I'm tired. Of, this is going to be like Howard Stern. We're so, going to have office love, dynamics right I, here. What I love about Corey's suggestion is the implied effort that he puts into the show. That, that, that's the best part. If you, yes. if, if, if <laughs> Jeff, I, I solicit the questions. If, you do, you do, you do. If Jeff suggests... Possibly, could we move the show up, show up to maybe nine a.m. Nine a.m. Like a reasonable like, adult. He's like, like oh, Christ, how much do that? <laughs> but but then he turns it on you to say, what the hell are you doing when you're getting up at four in the you morning? You get up four a.m. You're just sitting there drinking. Meticulously, Jeff, and breaking through and analyzing even portions of them that you could ask here and apply this over to here and make sure when we start right at there nine. There might be an incredible question in there that we're ready to roll. There might be an incredible uh, question in there that we didn't get to, and I feel well, bad for that. When you're I'm when you're up, get up. No, when you're up. When you're, when you're up watching Netflix at three in the morning, yeah, and you right. could you could you could maybe highlight a couple and email them and say, "Hey, that's sure about, but I feel like that's kind of uh, th- that is a point too. It, it's I, I like it more when it's spontaneous than us planning answers. And if I read ahead, then I feel like I planned an answer. I but then the I feel the same way with Jeff. I got gotcha. you. I'm I'm going back on what I said. Because uh, it's not like he's the host and he's asking the two experts what he thinks. We all answer it together, so we should all read them and read them for the first time. So, again. so that's so, a that's a, a tepid apology. It's like uh, <laughs> you're like Mike Norvell taking the blame for the end of the first half. <laughs> yeah, or like you know the Marvin Wilson thing with Mike Norvell. He's like, I did misspeak. It was my bad, but still, you don't have to go run out to Twitterland and no. tell everybody. But yeah, right. so it's a tepid apology. It's not a full throated apology. No. Yeah, I'm not sure you're capable of that one, the, the second part. But that, <laughs> hey, is there any chance? Yeah, let's end on this. Is there any chance the improvement, the the improved production of the second half, and that stand at the end mm-hmm. will carry over to some positivity yes. defensively going yes. forward? You yes. do think so? But All the right. problem is, is who they're playing. This right. is if it would have been anybody on the schedule other than North Carolina or Clemson. I would feel really – I would be almost optimistic about what's the defense going to look like. Man, they are going to get lit up by this. I mean, you got to hope you hold some – it's the race hey. to the, His His wideouts are too good. They run the ball well. If you can't pressure a good quarterback, he is going to light you up. Jeff Sims lit you up because you couldn't get near him. This kid listen, is going to listen, light you listen. up if you can't get pressure. Right, but that's true. But you just got to get a few stops – and make this a 38-35 victory, baby. What's the race to stops? How many stops do you need? Four? Well, I don't know about how many stops. Let's do the number. The race is to 38? I think the race is to 44. Okay. I say 40. I say 40. I think they get enough stops. I think they ride the wave of momentum at home. (laughs) 38's the number. (laughs) Are you saying they're going to win? I'm racing to Twitter. Oh, I was was about to race to Twitter. Jeff just called it. <laughs> Cameron's calling an upset. No, I think it's a heartbreaking 38-35 loss. But I'll probably oh. have a different score when we do the war chant report here in a few minutes. Man, if, they, if they're close, if they're close, that would be a again. I know it's North Carolina and the standard uh, is lowered, but I'm be in the game. No moral victories here, buddy. Okay. Real victories. There you go. For Corey Clark and Iro Chappelle, I'm Jeff Cameron. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be well. We'll talk to you next week. Seminal Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Get more from Jeff, Corey, and Ira via iTunes and in the 97.9 ESPN Radio Audio Vault. This has been a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee Sports Monster.